All right, what's up everybody and welcome to the Rethinking Youth Ministry podcast where every single week we hope to raise the bar for youth ministry by asking questions, interviewing thinkers, having some real honest conversations about what it looks like for us to lead this next generation. And I am a stuffy-nosed Brett, and today I am really excited <laughs> to be joined by Ashley. Hey! Chef. Hey, everybody. And our friend, Mikaela. What's up? Did I say it right? You did. Yes. Congratulations. <laughs> awesome. All right, so this is your first time with us, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you, and where do you come from? Who am I? That's so deep. Um, <laughs> I am a youth minister from South Florida, and I've been working in my church environment for almost five years now. Okay. So it's a lot of fun. Very cool. So today we're going to be talking about this idea of understanding how we're wired as as people and what that looks like for us in ministry and in leadership. So what when it comes to this idea of how we're wired, in your own words, how do you guys process that? How do you explain that? What does that mean to you? You know, for me, it makes me think of several things. You know, there's like the hardwired personality. Hmm. Then there's the way I was raised or mm. where I was raised that, you know, I'm a northerner who made a career in the South. Yeah. So that's, that's an interesting thing. And that's <laughs> a wiring thing that wasn't necessarily hardwired, but it was definitely wired. And then there's really just kind of even ways that I work best, mm. whether it's mm. times a day or, you know, some, some hours of the day I'm more creative, some hours of the day I'm more... So it's got a ton, a plethora, if you will. Oh, uh, yeah. There you go. All right. I bought um, I bought a CD years ago to increase my vocabulary. <laughs> I listened to the first fifteen minutes of it and learned the word plethora. <laughs> so I use it as much as I can. Because <laughs> it's the only uh, one right, you that's know. Right, that's, that's right. A good SAT word. Yeah, I got it. I got the SAT I needed. So I'll, <laughs> that being said, I don't know, Michaela. Yes. It's four syllables. I'm working. It is. I'm working at it. I worked with a Michaela, so it's just yeah. It's I just hard to shift gears. You'll get it. So what do you think? I think that the more you know how you're wired, the more effective you can be in ministry. Because I feel like a lot of times the way that you lead your ministry um, is so closely tied to who you are as a person yeah. and how you're wired. So I remember there was one day I just came to the conclusion. I was like, my youth group is now so much more introverted mm. <laughs> since I've been here <laughs> because I'm not extroverted. Mm. Um, and that's not a bad thing. It's just like realizing how who I am affects the way that I lead yeah. Yeah. Um, and what that can look like and how I might need to supplement mm. some things overarchingly right. because of that swing. Um, to make sure that there's mm -hmm. that. that's an interesting point because not only like the people you attract but the people you hire so right. I was actually right. had a conversation this morning about how over time the people I was attracted to to say yes you can have this job they became a lot like me mm -hmm. right and so I needed to be careful not to not to overdo that um, it was a lot more you know I got a lot more yeses from people when they were like me yeah but it wasn't necessarily the best thing for people who necessarily aren't like me that right, because you understand them best when they're like you. Like yeah. you, that makes sense. Right. I think also like understanding your wiring. I mean, ministry, as we all know, and everyone who's listening knows, is hard. And the the worst part about ministry is people, and the best part is people. Hmm. And I think as I've learned more about myself, it's helped me learn about how other people are wired. And I feel like I'm like way more grace filled with other people, yeah. like working with other people because I understand we see the world differently. So, at, and it's also helped me 
not feel like something's wrong with me just because somebody else doesn't understand where I'm coming from. Mm. And so I think it's helped me not just be healthier, but I think it's actually going to be what helps keep me in the game longer. Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. So you guys have kind of jumped into some of these already, but do you have any other examples where better understanding how you're created, how you're wired, your personality, any of those kind of things helped set you up for a more successful ministry or kind of a healthier leadership sort of experience? Well, going back to what Chef said about hiring people like, and and Michaela, you as well, hiring people around you to your weakness. I mean, just hiring a team in general. um, If anyone listening has a student staff or one day will, you know, looking, I mean, for me, um, prior to understanding the right path assessment or prior to understanding the Enneagram, I used the Strength Finder a lot and like charting out who everybody that was already on my staff or like the full-time volunteers, what were their top five strengths in the four leadership domains and where was I missing someone? And so it's really helped my leadership, but the entire leadership team to minister better because we're like more full yeah, and leading out of our strengths. And I think that's important. I said hiring and that's also which volunteers are you going to allow to be in that, you know, as part of your team, I think it's important to consider that you've got people who you get and you've got people who you don't get and you appreciate them because you don't get them, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and the older you get and the more confident you get in who you are and that that has value and who I'm not and that mm. has value, uh, the better you are going to be equipped to reach a broader range yeah. of students and find a broader range of volunteers. And yeah. You just never know who's mm-hmm. going to connect with who. I mean... You know, and especially when you figure out what you're not good at, that's one of the best gifts. Yeah. You know, because you can quit stressing about it and quit defending it, you know, and just let someone else do it. Yeah. You know, whatever you need to do. And the more you figure out you and understand you, I think the better you are able to get and understand other people. So it's not always going to be, well, I just don't understand you or we just don't speak the same language. You learn to speak that yeah. because you speak what I don't. So I need you. Yeah. Um, and so when you're talking about not just hiring, but volunteers, but even right. like empowering students to do what they need to do also. So that means I can identify like the crazy, loud, fun ones. Cause I'm like, that's not me. Go yeah. be awesome. Yeah. Go be awesome. You know, cause I'll be awesome over here at the stuff that I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll compliment each other, which is important. That's good. Yeah. I think for me, one of the biggest things was having right size expectations of myself yes. is, is what that changed. You know, I went into ministry, you know, like a lot of people probably listening, uh, pretty young. I was 21 when I started in a full-time ministry. And so there was sort of, you know, the, the Pied Piper sort of mentality that I probably put on myself. I'm young. I've got the energy. I, I am an introvert, but I am comfortable. I'm kind of a relational intro- introvert. I'm comfortable on stage. I enjoy doing those kind of things. But when it comes to energy, like I know that like I'm, I'm introverted. Right. And so there was just a lot of a lot of pieces that I I set myself up to fail and that obviously had implications on how healthy the ministry was, the way I was developing leaders and all those kind of things because I just didn't have realistic expectations for myself and what I expected myself to be able to do or to be able to succeed at and not really understanding the idea of like oh no, like here here's my sweet spot, here's what I need to figure out how I can spend my time. And then I'd build up and I develop mm-hmm. other people in these, in these other areas. So a few years ago, I had a chance to sit down with Mark Ostriker 
and Kurt Johnson separately, two different conversations. And neither of them knew I had talked to the other one. And I just said, I mean, they're two like rock star youth pastors who have been doing it forever. And I just said, okay, I'm in my early thirties. If you could go back and talk to yourself at that age, what, what would you tell yourself now that you know what you know? And both of them said, spend time, spend the next several years getting to know yourself, Mm -hmm. like how you're wired, because you're going to find yourself 15 years, 20 years down the road, and you're going to have to do it then. And I would, they both said, I would have saved myself a lot of years of feeling lost or dysfunction or, you know, finding myself back in the same spot. I had always found myself and you know, when you can figure that out earlier, you'll be way more effective yeah. in ministry in the long run instead of looking back on ministry saying, wow, I wish I would have known this about myself. I could have done that differently. Yeah. Mm. I think conflict is another one of those areas that for me, the more I understood how I was wired and how I naturally responded to conflict, I got way better at it. We, you know, we had a podcast episode where we kind of dove in depth about this idea of, of yeah. conflict and those kind of things. But when, when I began to understand the way that I'm wired is to always yield because I always wanted there to kind of be peace. <laughs> yeah. um, but when I started to really understand that in the ways that that was not helpful, in the ways that that was actually unhealthy and it was kind of deterring from mission and from the direction that we wanted to go, it completely changed the way that I, that I viewed conflict and my willingness you know, to step into conflict right. sometimes. Mm-hmm. Right. That it's an important part of coming to the best idea yeah. is for someone too. <laughs> yeah. You know, I can't mm-hmm. imagine you being that. Yeah. Well, I mean, you do get pretty nasty in meetings. So. <laughs> right. Appreciate that. He's saying his voice is from being sick. It's really from yelling. I've just, I've just right. screamed all week long. <laughs> You're all idiots. <laughs> yeah. That was welcome to Orange. So, yeah, we argue with each other a ton. Um, you know, one thing I found, you asked the question about, like, figuring stuff out. I had a confrontation maybe five years ago, six years ago when I was still at North Point. I don't know that it was a confrontation, but it was this, huh, I wonder if I don't know myself sort of situation. Because it was like somebody said so something so direct that, I mean, it hurt, you know. But it was like at the age I was, which was 40, probably, four, I guess I was 42 because I remember saying I'm 42. Um, so that was four years ago. I said to myself, I don't know if it's true, but it's got to be at least somewhat true. Hmm. Does that make sense? Hmm. Yeah. So I did a really comprehensive, paid some money, 360 evaluation. Oh, yeah. And brought a coach in who really understood all of that. And just, I mean, it was worth the investment. My, you know, my church at the time helped me pay for it. I just remember sitting with my boss. He's like, you just need to do this. And I'm like, if you have something to tell me, don't spend the money. <laughs> just <laughs> tell, me. tell me, you know, like, come on. He's like, no, I really want you to do it. And it was so enlightening. Mm. And for the most part, I gained a ton of confidence because it was, it was good. Like people liked to work with me and for me and around me, but there were some specific things that came out and made me think of wiring. And one of them was that I speak harshly or my rhetoric is harsh, Hmm. which is interesting. And I think it comes from the fact that I grew up in Western Pennsylvania, blue collar, steel town, you know, let's be as direct as we can. Then I moved to the South and I just get excited and I say some things that are harsh to people. Hmm. It doesn't mean they're not true. It just means that I may have said them too hard for people to hear. Right. 
And it just made me think, okay, I'm already one. I have angry resting face because that's, <laughs> that is hardwired. Same. Resting yeah. chef face to be <laughs> clear. <laughs> I mean, and, and that's hardwired. I, I joke that it comes from me being a principal of a high school too young, but I mean, it's been there since I was a baby. You know? um, <laughs> Why is this baby yeah, so yeah. angry? That's hardwired. <laughs> and then maybe softwired or wired later was being raised in a, where we speak harshly to each other. And then you come to the South and everybody's bless your heart. And yeah. you're like, oh, bless your heart means they hate you. I didn't know that. <laughs> you know, I figured that out later. Um, but it was something to adjust to. You know, it was something to think, hey, if I really want to be heard, I've got to rewire uh, the way I approach people. Yeah. Especially in, in where I am. If I go up to Pittsburgh, I can speak harshly again. You know? <laughs> what, what I'm hearing you say is there's almost two levels to this idea of understanding how we're wired is that there is just the knowledge aspect of understanding some of these things about our personality, about right. our, our, our context, our culture, different things like that, that we have to know. But we also have to have the self-awareness and the emotional intelligence to be able to own some of those things that might not be so fun to own and to be able to understand what it's like to be on the other side of us and what yeah. all of, what all of these different things yeah. what all these different things mean. So to kind of jump into some of that, what are some of the best tools that you guys have used or have experienced or have seen to better understand some of these things about yourself? So you mentioned kind of this 360 valuation yeah. tool. I've done one similar to that. Yeah. Too. And there, I mean, there are levels of 360 and the whole point of a 360 is you just ask people all around you, people yeah. who, people who report to you, maybe it's your volunteers, people who you report to, your supervisors, people who are around you, my spouse was part of that, which was interesting. And so that you can do that with four questions in an email for free. Yeah. And just, you, you've got to really be clear with people. Hey, I really want to understand what it's like to be on the other side of me. So please be honest. Or you can go the route I went, which was, I got a professional coach who knows how to read these things. Yeah. And I went with, I can't remember the name of the company, but it's the same company that does right path. Um, the right path 360 assessment. Yeah. And it really just helps you kind of understand your wiring as well, and they also do a 360. It, um, you know, we're talking four, five, six hundred bucks at that yeah. point of an investment. So it's, you know, you can go anywhere from a free email to a bunch of friends, yeah, to spending, you know, a bunch of money on it. But um, in that case, it was super helpful. I think I was past the point at 42 years old of just a general email. I had heard all that, like I had, you know, I had relationships where people would would be, Hey, can I, Hey friend, can I talk to you about something? Yeah. And I just needed to see some empirical evidence and talk to somebody who really knows how to help you sort out where that stuff comes from. Yeah. You know what mm. I mean? And then I went back and followed up with everybody. It was, it's one of the best things I've done mm. professionally yeah. or really to understand or know myself, you yeah. know, in a lot of ways. And again, there's know yourself like your inner conversation and know yourself the way you're perceived in this world. Yeah. It's, it's a different, those are two Absolutely. very different things. And if you make the mistake of assuming the world sees you the way you see yourself, um, good luck with that. Cause yeah. uh, that's a tough, that's a tough life to live. Well, and you mentioned right path, which is something that at orange we use a lot with, with yeah. staff to kind of help learn about all these different pieces. One that's similar to the right path that I know that in, in my ministry context, we use a lot is something called disc that has a lot of this. Yeah. A lot of these kind of are similar, but they just use similar. different language, but they kind of come from some of the same background stuff. Uh, Myers Briggs is kind of a personality thing that a lot of us have, have probably have probably done before. Enneagram is sort of the big thing, that's right? The new thing right now, right yeah. now that it's kind that's of the new, new thing, the, the new, new old thing that's, that's been right. around for a really long time. But yeah, it's catching a it's catching a pretty big wave. Do we know our numbers around the circle? 
Heck yeah, we do. All right, what do you got, Ash? Says the three. <laughs> any, any wings? What is the uh, three? The achiever. Mm, that yeah. makes sense. I find my worth in what I do. Mm-hmm. It's a really big more. downfall. <laughs> it really sets you up for yeah. some heartbreak. And there are healthy man. threes and unhealthy threes. <laughs> yeah. uh, my You've wing been is both. A- tell me about it. <laughs> I'll tell you all about what I think about myself. It's a bonus podcast. <laughs> I'm an open book, right? Just kidding. The three isn't. Nobody actually really knows them according <laughs> to the Enneagram. Um, but my wing is a two. Okay. Yeah. Chef, do you know? Yeah, I am a one. One. Which is the perfectionist. And, Number one um, stunner. There's a couple of perfectionist <laughs> nice. types. There's those who have a really neat sock drawer, which is not. <laughs> and then there's more the activist, not activist, what is it? It's a reformer. Okay. Like one that sees things in the world that need to change and wants to help. Yeah. <laughs> and if we're healthy about it, maybe we can actually help. <laughs> um, but that's kind of where I am. Mikhail? I'm, I'm a two wing. Oh, a two wing. Yeah. Right. Do you know? I do. I'm still learning about it, but I'm a two. And I think that's like, quote unquote, the helper. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm a two wing one. So I swing towards that perfectionism. But my perfectionism isn't necessarily like the sock drawer, like you said. Yeah. It's like my lifestyle and calendar yeah. has to fit a certain way and do yeah. all those things. So. And with that said, we have 14 minutes left. <laughs> Before Mikaeli has to go to her next appointment. Gotta go. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I'm a nine with an eight wing, which I'm still pretty early. I feel like I have way more experience with a lot of these other assessments than than with this one. So I'm I'm still pretty early with the Enneagram trying to trying to figure things out. What, what other assessments have we, have we done that you feel like have maybe have been helpful or one that was a stinker and we can be like, nah, stay away from this one. I mean, my personal favorite is the Buzzfeed one that tells you what animal you are. Based <laughs> on your Inner animals. Your Myers-Briggs. Yes. Because I am a beaver. We hold it down. Yeah. I'm a wolf. Like, yes. Isn't yeah. that, is that the golden retriever? Different yeah. one. Oh, that's You're talking about yeah, different one? I've never done yeah, the Buzzfeed one, It's like one, the 16 personalities, but as animals. And yeah. that's just how I choose yeah. to understand people. So. There you go. There's the color one. What's it? I don't remember the yeah, name. Yeah, that was of it, the. It's it, the sanguine. Like sanguine oh, yeah. is yellow, maybe, yeah. and then melancholy red. is blue. Red is choleric, and then green is. Um, I used to know. Shoot, green is like the uh, phlegmatic. I, I would actually have to look up what all of those words mean. Yeah, <laughs> like, those are very. Well, I was just thinking of my Latin? kids, as you said. <laughs> yeah, the phlegmatic man. My kids are like all over the place. So, or one of them is. Yeah. I just took a judgment index test with a leadership coach that was super interesting. I've never taken a test like it ever, but it was just these, they would put these random things in front of you and be like, which is worse and which is better. Hmm. And it was like awful choices. Like these, a terrorist with a baby or a terrorist with a, like in a restaurant. It was like. I don't know how to answer that. And you, I mean, oh. you had to judge if it was right or, you know, which was I think someone was better. just pranking you. Wait, no, but like it the was, worst it would was, you rather ever? No, it was like an 11-minute test. It took that, I mean, it was that short, and they told me things about myself that I, it was called a judgment index. I need yes. to find out what it was. We'll put it in the show notes or something, but. Crazy. That's it scary. It was super interesting. Yeah. You mentioned strength finders earlier. I think that's yeah. that's a fairly common one yeah, uh, that a that one. a lot of people have done. And if you haven't, uh, it's a great one. It's I a good w- one to start with. Yeah, I feel like it it's, really is. It's easy to have some handles on that yeah. one. But I think what's interesting is all of these like inform you, but none of them are 
the end all be all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's a really big point. Like you've got to sort out mm-hmm. those things. And I think the Enneagram is like super responsible about that from what I hear. Yeah. They're like, hey, you're going to take this test, but that's just to kind of point you in the right direction. Mm-hmm. You've got to sort out. And there's a little bit of each number in all of us. Yes. You know, and depending on how we're hardwired at birth and our upbringing and the wounds of our childhood and experiences is how all of those numbers play out, you know, and how you see the world. And I think that's what I love about the Enneagram specifically is remembering, yes, this is about how they're wired, but this is also about how they see the world. Yep. And so when you're in a conversation with someone and you can understand how they're seeing something, it changes the conversation totally. Yeah. So what, what are some of those dangers that we should, that we should be aware of when it comes to these kind of assessments and the tools that can be helpful, but what are some of the, the yeah. shadow side pieces of this? If we're not careful. I remember I taught, I, when I was a teacher before I was in ministry, one of the kids of one of my friends who was big into these personality profiles was giving his kid a test and, um, he failed a math test and he's like, well, math isn't one of my strengths. Which was an interesting <laughs> angle. It was like, yeah, but you still need to get a C. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I agree. That's clearly, amazing. clearly, <laughs> not one There's of your strengths. There. But that doesn't mean you can just drop it. You know Ooh, what I mean? And so, so to bad. use it as an excuse for those things. Now, to take that into like personality profiles, and you know, I could say, yeah, I'm just harsh. Yeah, and I can yeah. go with that and live. You know, but my my influence will be limited if I just stop with that. Yeah. It's much more effective to say, I'm sorry, sometimes I can be harsh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean to be, but when I'm excited, I can be harsh. Way more effective than, yeah, Yeah. deal deal with me. Right. Right. (laughs) This is me. Right. (laughs) Not in the good, greatest showman. I'm really (laughs) proud that you didn't start singing, actually. I just Well, I just, you know, this wasn't the podcast I sing on. (laughs) It's the Think Orange podcast, if you were wondering. What else? What can be some of these dangers if we're not careful with the kind of information that we get? I think if you don't fully understand it, you it actually can hurt you in the way that you know yourself. Yeah. You know, you almost think like you fully get it. I mean, I feel like I don't fully understand any of these tests. Right. I'm always like, okay, I need to understand why it's saying that and what does that actually mean and what does it not mean? Because I think a lot of times we can read a result and we're like, oh, that's what it is. And it's like, well, actually, you know, if we're talking Enneagram, a three on an Enneagram, which is what I am, there are like vastly different threes. Right. You know, when you listen to some of the podcasts, like the Road Back to You podcast, for example, when they interview my number, I'm like, gosh, I'm like literally can't believe that they're also a three. But then you hear how it plays out in their life. And I'm like, oh, I never thought about that. Do I see that in me? And so I think if we don't continue learning after taking a test, we actually can fall like even more short than we were before we took the test. Yeah, I think some of the dangers can be that there are a billion of these and a lot of them are probably aren't super accurate or that great. I mean, you could Google, you know, personality assessment and there's going to be a thousand different things on there. And so having some discernment over, okay, how much... How much weight am I putting on, you know, this, you know, Cosmo quiz? Yeah, this Cosmo <laughs> quiz of which uh, which school of Harry Potter do I fit in? What right. that's a thing, right? That was a thing. That was I'm a four. House, if yeah. you want to go ahead yeah. and go, you know better. Than, what am I talking about? What, uh, the divergent. Yeah, I'm a divergent. <laughs> we did. We took that test. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't have. Any I can't idea remember the name. We made the whole van take that yeah. test. <laughs> 
Uh, so I'm a what? I'm divergent. Divergent. Okay. Yeah. But I, no, I'm like four in that I'm divergent. Oh, four. Four is a character. Yeah, he is. Yeah. <laughs> so, and he's a good looking one. He is much better looking. <laughs> Than me. If we want to make generalizations about youth ministry, we tend to look for good deals and we try to be a little bit cheap sometimes. That's a good point. And so we're not willing to do the $20 Enneagram test, which is probably going to be a little more accurate, a little bit more academic, and probably a little bit more helpful. And we do we do the free one that will probably be different numbers every time we take it sort of a thing. So those are some ways I think it could be it could be different. And this is the thing, is if you don't want to, you know, invest on the front end, you're going to spend a lot more with the <laughs> counselor later in life. <laughs> Which is also not a bad way to get to know yourself. Exactly. There you go. Just it's true. It's just true. Saying. Or a life coach, like you said, Chef. A life coach or, you know, just left the counselor's office. <laughs> that's right. Right? I, I, another thing that's been helpful, um, one of my life coaches, his name's Kevin, and um, he helped me really figure out I think, Chef, you alluded to it earlier, um, like your natural energy cycle, not mm. just like a test, but like figuring out when do you do your best work during the day? When are you most alert and you think best? And then scheduling your responsibilities around that so that you can do your best work when you're at your best. Yeah. And that when you have, like for me, example, between like three and five, I'm not sharp. Like I feel like my, my brain isn't working. Everything's in slow motion. And then after PM, five, three and 5 PM. Oh yes. Okay. <laughs> the other three and five I'm sleeping, but <laughs> she's not sharp. Then yeah, yeah. I'm not sharp then either. But, um, and I do my best work in the morning, like early in the morning and occasionally late at night, but usually it's morning time. So it's like, if I need to edit something, write something, I'm going to be getting up at five or six and I'm going to be working on that. So I actually am working at my best when I need to perform yeah. my best. That's important to know because yeah. I, I know that because I'm the complete opposite. So my kids know. They're like, don't ask her anything before 10. Just, it's not <laughs> going to be good. Don't bother. Not, yeah. No. Don't get, you won't get good answers because her brain's <laughs> not functioning yet. Hand me Coke Zero, hand me coffee, then we can talk. Yeah. I, I think for me, one of the, one of the biggest dangers with this that better help me understand assessments and, and use them, I think, in healthy ways, is that they help us understand a part of who we are. They don't, under, mm. they don't help us understand who we are. So whenever I would talk to um, high schoolers, so we, we have, a, I have a family friend who develops assessment. Like that's what, like, he's just, he just, he's crazy. Can we um, have him on the podcast? Yeah, maybe. And, and I would have conversations with him about like, I, I would love to have some of these conversations with some of my students and youth ministry. And he was like, you got to be really careful. Like it can be helpful for them to understand yeah. some of those things, but their brain's still developing. They're yeah. still changing. They, they have to understand that this isn't a picture of who they are is essentially kind of, this is kind of a, a painting of them. Like this is kind of a version of them that we can, that you can learn from, that you can pull some truth from, but you can't, you have to be careful. I think this is absolutely true with, with teenagers, with young people, even with, with us over the age of 30, whose brains have, you know, have developed. Yeah. We're, like there's still things that we're changing. You know what I mean? Like this is, this is not a box for us to fit in, but this is kind of just some ideas trying to help us understand yeah. different aspects of, of who we are. And that doesn't necessarily mean you don't explore that with a kid. Mm -hmm. It's just that you make sure that you always explain that context. So we used to do like, um, what was it? The spiritual pathways. You remember that one? 
it was like, how are the best ways you connect to God? Some of us yeah, yeah. connect best God in nature. Some of us connect best to God in service. Some of us connect best to God in quiet time. I, I, there's like seven of them. Um, but we used to do that with kids. But we were always careful to say, and by kids, I mean middle schoolers. We were always careful to say, this is how you connect now, and that may change. Yeah. Like, right. So just pay attention that these are different ways to connect to God. And what would happen in that is the kids who... A lot of kids just assumed because they don't have a real strong quiet time that they're just not good Christians. Yeah. It's like, no, no, no. You're much better in action. Like yeah. that's when you connect to God yeah. or standing in the middle of a river with a fishing pool, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. is how you do your quiet time, whatever it is as far as that goes. But it was always important to add that. So I'm so glad you said that, especially working with kids. I think, yeah, for teenagers, a lot of them may only be told what they're not good at. You know, oh, from the good. family they come from yeah. or the teacher they have. And when you ask them, what are you good at? They don't know the answer to that. They only know what they're not good at. And so I was thinking, especially for teenagers where social wellness is so important and like fitting in is so important. And when they see someone else is good at something and they're, they know they're not, they don't know the word sometimes. Yeah. And so I think that's a big gift we as youth workers can give students is you know, this isn't who you're necessarily going to be all the time. And you may have another strength that totally overrides where you are right now, but you're really good at this and speak that into our students. Yes. And modeling that by saying things like, you know, this is something that I've not been good at, but I'm going to do it, you know, for the sake, so, you know, for your sake or whatever, it really gives kids permission to say, this is what I'm good at. This is what I'm not, but just make sure, as you said, Mm -hmm. it's not all about what you're not good at. Yeah. Yeah. Especially at that age. All right, any last thoughts as we wrap up the conversation? I mean, I just love this idea of talking about kids and students. I used to tell small group leaders all the time, never assume a kid knows what they're awesome at. Mm. Like, always point it out. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, who doesn't like to hear that? So even if they heard it, you know, 100 times, make it 101 well, and the reality is that when we better know ourselves, yeah. it's it's easier for us to have the the language sometimes to be able to speak into those things of other people. Yeah. When I when I know myself better, when I understand different aspects of the the enneagram or this or that or whatever, I'm able to speak some of those things into other people, like you're saying, where if I'm just blind to all those things and and and, and pretty not aware of who I am, yeah. it's hard for me to pick up on those things of other people. Yeah. I mean, if. If anyone's ever taken those tests, and I don't know about you guys, but when I read the results, it's almost like you cringe in a way. It's like the but things you thought nobody you. knew about you yes. are written on paper right now. Yeah. <laughs> like what just happened? I am not unique. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, wow, I I mean, for me, that was huge. And it takes a brave person because similar to what you were saying, Chef, like I also grew up in the North and I'm a female. So learning to talk directly I mean, and then you also work with middle school students where you have to talk directly or they have no idea what you're talking about, you know? And so it's like this mix of learning how I'm wired and how this can be used for good. And as he said, like also, when do I need to turn that down? Yeah. But it's amazing how the test results tell you something you've always known about yourself, but it gives you a language in a way you can talk about it. Mm. And it's really good for interviews too. It takes a certain level of vulnerability, but that vulnerability can turn into confidence that you can use because when you know those things about yourself and when you're not afraid to share those things with other people, Mm -hmm. then you can just be confident. This is who I am. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Yeah. And that's a good thing. And I think that assessments like this can increase our capacity for empathy. 
is mm-hmm. that, you know, with something like, you know, we're, we've talked a lot about the Enneagram. So with something like the Enneagram, when I, when I read about a, a one or a four or a two or, or the, you know, the ones that I'm, that I, I don't feel like I'm connected with at, at all, it helps me put myself in their shoes yeah. and it helps make sense of some of the things that, that I take a certain way that they wouldn't necessarily mean it to be that way. Mm-hmm. And so I think that can be a huge tool for us in, in ministry and life, but also in the way that we have conversations with, with teenagers and, and with students and stuff like this just gives us a common language. Right. Um, kind of even, you know, as basic as the introvert extrovert language for me has been mm-hmm. a really helpful piece because when I was young in ministry, um, I know, I mean, I know that, I know that ministry is such a relational thing and it would drain me. And so there's this lack of kind of self-worth of like, why, like, am I not supposed to be doing this? Mm-hmm. Like I, I leave this completely, completely drained. You know what I mean? Like, you know, my heart's filled, but you know, yeah. whatever. But, and it, even having that sort of common language to be able to have conversations with really affected the way that I viewed all those things. It's crazy to me that you're an introvert, actually. Hmm. I mean, just watching how good you are at interacting with people, you know, when we're out and about, whether it's conference or tour or whatever. So, I mean, it's good to know because you can only do that so much. You do a good job of obviously managing it. Never assume Brett knows he's awesome. (laughs) Everybody tell him. him Please tweet him, tag him, at him. All right. That's going to be it for this week's episode. (laughs) That's right. We We do need to know who's... The most favorite host of the everything. We should. We should definitely. We should it was, I, they cool. did a, uh, <laughs> we, after the first season, they did a, a survey. I don't remember. I think it was probably Sarah. Yeah. Everybody knows Sarah's probably the best host. For sure. And then CJ and I are in ninth and 10th place, respectively. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I was also going to say, I think a lot of times we wait until we're in a bad place to find out who we are. Like until you're actually forced to figure it out because you're working through something, whether that's with a counselor or a spouse or your team. And I think those times are a lot more manageable when you feel like you can explain to yourself why you're responding this way, why this matters, why this is a value to you, why you're feeling the way you are. So I would encourage anyone listening to do it now. Yeah. Don't wait. Um, but also, it's been really fun as like learning coworkers' numbers or you know their results. When that trust is there to be like, you know what? I think your three's coming out right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I think that you, in your mind, think this matters more because you're finding way too much worth in it. Yeah. Things like that. So it's been really helpful. I think but you have to trust somebody. <laughs> yeah, you do. Yeah, the trust is important. And I think, too, especially like in work context, um, the better you know yourself, the better you are able to explain yourself to other people when they don't understand you. Like sometimes coworkers don't get each other. But then you can help align their perception of you and the accuracy of who you are mm. better. Mm-hmm. Because we all know that people's perception of us is their reality. Um, and then there's the real reality. And so if you know yourself and you can communicate that well to other people, then those two things can blend together more mm-hmm. instead of being at odds with each other. I love that. All right. So before we wrap up, I want to hear one thing from some sort of assessment, some sort of test that you've learned about yourself that still sticks with you. Chef's up first. Oh, I am. You're one. <laughs> So let's go back to this weird test. Yeah, the um, 360. No, the um, well, oh, the, the judgment thing, right? test, the judgment, index. the terrorist test. Let's no, not what go I learned about this. that is I am 
I'm good at seeing the big picture. I'm not good at helping people understand the small parts that lead to that. Oh, Mm. interesting. Does that make sense? And so often I'll sit and be arguing a point about, you know, like it's like core symptoms versus just a symptom. Like what's Mm. causing these issues and I can actually, for whatever reason, I can usually figure out what's the core to it. But that doesn't mean that everybody, to lead people to the solution it means I need to be patient. And does that make sense? Yeah. It sounds, yeah. it sounds like a weird thing, but that's what I learned. I'm like, Oh, that's my problem. <laughs> but I can't get anything done. I, um, that's probably why I like working with you too. Cause I like figuring out like the steps to the get core there issues too. Or the steps. Yeah. The step, the steps are important, but you do have to, like, I have to step back and take my time to walk people through the steps. Mm-hmm. That, and, I, and I'm not necessarily good at the steps hmm. if that makes sense. So it's, that's one, one of the reasons that helps me really lean into people who, who can see those things, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to like the relational side of things, people who see faces for every decision. I need to lean in and listen to them because those are important. Those yeah. Are important. I think for me, um, the freshest on my mind is the Enneagram. And I know like learning about when they're talking about the three and they like call the three the chameleon. So a three will adapt to their environment and become what they need to become for that role, for that friendship, for that relationship, whatever. And although that sounds like, oh, great, you're flexible. It's also this weird tension of no one really knows who you are. Mm. And so what the the area challenged me was, is who really knows me? Mm. Because the biggest fear for a three is if they really know me, they won't love me, Mm. you know? And so challenging myself to make sure there are people in my life who know me and know the core of who I am and that I feel like, you know, and making sure I don't get caught up in being what everybody else expects. So with the Enneagram stuff, I wrote a quote down that I have now put in my office Yeah, from the perfectionist. Tell me John Steinbeck. And I've been reading it every day and I think it it matters. And now that you don't have to be perfect, you can be good. Hmm. How cool is that? That's good. Anyway, for the perfectionist, it's yeah. a big deal. For the rest of you, you're like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> well, that that's kind of, I mean, I can think of a quote for the three similar to that. It's, yeah. you don't have to do anything to be loved. Yeah. Like, you don't have to perform. You don't have to win. You don't have to right. be the best. Hmm. So. Yeah, I can relate to that because um, I think the one I most closely relate to right now is just being a two on the Enneagram. And so as the helper... What I have to continue to remind myself is that it is okay and the world will not fall apart if no one needs me <laughs> at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> and especially like in ministry, because that's what we do. We, we go in ministry to like help people because we love people and we love the Lord and we want to serve. And so you think you have to be helping someone to mm-hmm. be doing what you're supposed to be doing, but that isn't always the case. Hmm. And so it is okay to be still and to not have to help anybody with anything, to not be needed. And my value and worth is not tied up in whether or not I'm helping someone or someone needs me at the moment. I am valuable and lovely and worthy outside of that. Mm, so good. That's a hard lesson to remember. What about you, Brett? Brett's lovely. Um, I mean, I kind of shared that with the whole uh, kind of the introvert thing that that was that was a big that was kind of a big piece having that having that language and kind of creating that freedom for me to know that, hey, when when I do need to disconnect from from people, from things, from ministry, that that's not 
you know, that's not a that's not a bad thing. Right. That's just part of You need to disconnect in order to show up. Yeah. I love it. So we, we want you to jump into this conversation too. So what are your favorite assessments? What tools have been most helpful uh, for you? So if you go to rethinkingym.org, click on this episode, take a look at the show notes. There's going to be a link to our Facebook page. We would love for you to jump in to this conversation with us. And until next time, we will see you later. Have a great day.